Hello and welcome back to the TwinCast. It's been a while, but we're super excited to bring you another episode. Instead of talking about movies, since none are really coming out, Oliver and I have decided we are going to dive deep into the amazing amount of news that has come out. So we're just going to talk about it chronologically, the impact on the movie industry, and how will films be able to stand this kind of nine-month shutdown that started back in March. So I just wanted to narrate a little bit about the timeline if some of our fans are unfamiliar with it. So what happened in what happened was James Bond put out an excellent new trailer that was really getting the audience hype. Put out a new trailer. They put out a Billie Eilish music video. Most people believed, as well as Cineworld, Regal, and AMC believed, James Bond was going to hit its target date of November 20th. But we got some very unexpected news when we found out that James Bond was moved a whole year from its original release date to April 21st, 2021. This had a domino effect on the movie industry because Tenet, while it has performed fairly well under these conditions, had an abysmal box office return of only $307 million so far. Because of this, movie theaters are really banking on James Bond with its wide-scale appeal as well as a lot of fan behind, behind Carrie Joji Fukunaga, Daniel Craig's last outing, and just the amazing music video and the amazing trailers. That has been moved back. Because of this, we got a minor change with F9, Furious 9, getting moved back to May 21st. That this domino effect had a rippling effect in the movie industry as we got some startling news that Cineworld will be running out of money by the next quarter of 2021. And because of this, the operations have decided to close until a flurry of new releases will come in order to generate more revenue, such as releasing Top Gun, Wonder Woman, James Bond. When these films come out, and there actually are grosses that are practical and help the theaters reopen, Cineworld will reopen. This is a huge blow to the movie industry, as they're now at a standstill, because movie in, movies, studios will not release films without theaters open, but theaters won't open unless studios release it. So it's a game of tug of war right now. And the final thing I wanted to touch on before we start our um, open forum was that because of this, we got a delay of Dune, which had a brilliant new trailer. Absolutely brilliant. Looks as great as Blade Runner 2049 was. Was moved back 10 months while the Batman, which had a fantastic trailer. It looks absolutely brilliant. Looks like a great follow-up to The Dark Knight. Was also moved back 10 months. Now what I'm looking at is I'm looking at 2021 being so stacked with films, I don't know how how the film industry next year will be crazy, but it's going to have a rippling effect on the theater industry. So Oliver, why don't you just jump in to the James Bond release, give your take, and how it's going to affect the movie industry. Well, yeah, I'm going to be completely honest. I think with the with um, No Time to Die 25, Bond 25, No Time to Die, I think it would have been, like, a really great decision for Eon to um, put it on to, like, VOD. Because here's the thing, okay, like, um, we've kind, we kind of all gotten used, we've all kind of gotten used to um, video on demand formatting for our new releases. Mm-hmm. Um, we did that for Bill and Ted. A lot of people, unfortunately, did that for Mulan. And, um... 
I just think that if Eon puts um, no time to die on VOD um, and like doesn't delay the movie, then fans are going to be very happy and they'll probably make a significant amount of money. Because the thing is that even if they release it in April next year, of course, like we know that movie theaters make more money. But the thing is that people are probably still afraid to go back even like a year from now. And it's, yeah, it's, and it's even like, it's an even more risky move when you consider that, like, we don't even know what's going to happen next year. And if um, Eon keeps delaying the movie, they're going to get pushed into a corner Mm -hmm. in which, like, you know, they might never even release it. It might be the death of the franchise at this point. That's exactly, Oliver, I have to say that's a great point. I'm exactly worried about just that because this film, what I wanted this film to do is I wanted to come out and then in 2022, we're going to get a new Bond revamped with a new director for the 60th anniversary. And that's not going to happen. Oliver, I would disagree because Bond is a great film, is a film I think should be in theaters. But I would say VOD, a split maybe VOD as well as theater release will generate the most revenue because some diehard fans will go see it in theaters while others, if they put it, let's say, at a price of $10, a huge amount of families and people will be super excited to see it at such a great price like that. My other thing was we are in the horror season right now, horror prime time. Let's look at a film like Saw or Halloween Kills. Two horror films that were set to come out this month, release those on VOD with like a $7.99 price. They will explode on VOD. If you just put out two films from a name brand from two horror name brands those films will explode so that was my other point like studios have to realize they have they're gonna have to make something back their money james bond i honestly think i think oliver you can hear this a split release is the smartest option right now depending on the movie industry and covid i look here sixty thousand new cases today Mm -hmm. not going away anytime soon so, Oliver, what are your thoughts on a split release for James Bond? I think that's perfect. But um, one point you mentioned was that um, they should release it for, like, eight bucks. I don't think that's realistic because, like, if you've seen um, with previous VOD releases. That's true. That's like, Bill true. and Ted was $20. Mulan was, like, um, a total of 40 which I think is a little bit overpriced. That's why I kind of didn't. Really I actually have to agree, Oliver. Like a $25 premium is a great price, I would say, yeah. actually. So, yeah, if, like, No Time to Die release it at about, like, $20, maybe even 30 that wouldn't be so bad. I mean. I actually would have to agree with that. Twenty Between 25, $25 and $30 is a good price for a movie that looks exceptionally good, as well as it has great it just looks amazing and i think a price that a lot of fans would and a lot of families would be willing to pay now we're going to talk about some dark stuff so because james bond was pushed back like we reiterated this had a crushing effect on cineworld cineworld the largest theater chain to give you some context in the world was banking on this film was banking on no time to die right no time to die they thought yeah. it would bring in at least two, three hundred million dollars domestically. Okay, I mean that's not a that's not a bad estimate to be honest. Looking back at the last three James Bond movies, they've all made wait, with the exception of Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, and Spectre. Even though Spectre is a terrible film, made nine hundred fifty-eight million dollars. So 
it's not bad to assume James Bond will probably make with COVID about $500 million. It's not a bad bet, you know, get the theaters rejuvenated. But this crushing effect made them close. I am actually worried that theater chains might not be able to stay open for too long. I think, I think that theater chains are in a dire, are in a dire place right now because I don't know, nine months without a new film and tenant with only $41 million in box office returns. That's not, that's not, that really scares me. Oliver, what's your take? No, yeah, especially I think I can add a couple of like um, circumstances right now. Um, mm-hmm. Regal Cinemas is like, <clears throat> they're shutting down mm-hmm. for, I don't even know when they're going to come back. Um, AMC is almost going bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Like you've been saying, this is a pretty like grim environment for movie theaters. We might like, you know, if if the circumstances are particularly bad with this entire like COVID situation, mm-hmm. we might not even have movie theaters by this when this is over. That's what I'm actually worried about because April, that's, 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 that's a good bit away, Oliver. If, if, you, if you calculate the next big movie is six months away, can theater survive that? What's your take? Six um, months. I mean, it depends on how well um, theaters are doing before. So I'm, I'm guessing that some chains that were particularly popular before the quarantine could probably survive it. Mm-hmm. But like barely, and they're probably going to be in like a, or not probably, they're definitely going to be in like a worse financial situation than, um, you know, than they were before the quarantine. It's, it's pretty, it's given. Yeah, that, that's actually a real big given, I have to say. Um, yeah, so I'm looking here, um, the three biggest chains, they said by the end of the first quarter of 2021, they will run out of money and they're going to have to get another round of funding. This scares me. This actually really scares me, but I don't know. We're hoping that maybe some kind of stimulus package or some PPE money will be allotted to the film industry. Maybe, you know, interject a little bit of life into the theaters. But Oliver, I, I would have to say your assessment is exactly correct. Okay. And yeah, to add on, um, mm-hmm. yeah, keep going. If, yeah, if, if, um, movie theater companies do go extinct, then, you know, there's this kind of like, I, there's this fear I have that like some, um, studios, they're going to release their movies on like these separate streaming platforms. And, you know, since there's nowhere else to watch it, they're going to label all these like exciting films as exclusives mm-hmm. and they're going to charge them for like extremely overpriced, um, yeah. expenses. I mean, um, Soul is coming up, right? Jamie yeah, Fox. but Soul, thankfully, is free. You don't oh, actually really? have to pay for it. Okay, yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for that. I didn't know about that. Yeah, thank you. Actually, Soul looks actually really good. I think it's going to be another good one. But, yeah. So, I, I understand your fears. The streaming world has taken over. As you see, Netflix. That's the great thing about Netflix. Is they have created so many great exclusive films that are like free on their platform if you subscribe like that's a that's a good thing but i have to say this is kind of disney debacle with this kind of 40 dollars to see one movie i think they shot themselves in the foot in the long run doing this yeah it's gonna bring up a whole bunch of like debates you know on whether or not they should be doing this yeah um 
Yeah, there's there's like this huge problem that's yeah. gonna come up with the, the movie yeah. cost estimated two hundred million dollars has only made sixty seven million dollars. Yeah, and it I mean, has made, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, no, no, Oliver, keep going. I guess to some extent it is kind of justified, but it's it also does seem kind of like a ripoff. It really does. I don't know what to say about it. Plus, the film I heard was abysmal from a lot of reputable like critics said they were not fans i can understand that but oliver i have to agree with you i think this kind of premium vod has this precedent to push movie prices to be a lot higher than they actually should be Mm -hmm. yeah so now we're going to talk about a pair of very anticipated movies with two excellent trailers so I'm looking here right now. So after No Time to Die was pushed back, like I reiterated, we are looking now at a very, very sad film hit because Daniel News Dune looked like, okay, okay, we might, we might still have Dune. You know what I mean? The film is complete. Everything is looking great. The trailer brought in a lot of views, you know, over 15 million views, you know. I'm thinking... There could be, this could be maybe like a little starting off point that could help the theaters grow a little bit back. And then we get this. October 21st, 2021, Dune will be released. Okay, that's a, that's a kick, like, that's a blow to a lot of movie fans. That one hurts, right, Oliver? Yeah. Like, Dune hurts the cinephiles in us. Mm-hmm. And then we even get the bigger blow. Batman 2021 will now be in 2022. Now that is a huge kick. That's a whole year later <laughs> for Batman, who just debuted this brilliantly like, crafted trailer that everyone is talking about. That, that one, that one has, is going to have a rippling effect as well. Oliver, what's yeah. your take on a pair of two highly anticipated films moving back so far in the calendar? Well, I mean, it's it's not really that big of an issue anymore, to be honest. Yeah. Because, well, I mean, hopefully we'll eventually get to see them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be completely honest here. Um, with, like, with um, Dune, I, I haven't really, I don't have, like, that much of a connection to the source material. So I have, like, no idea what it's about. That's and true. With, yeah. The, the reason I'm really excited is Denis Villeneuve is a is a yeah, top tier director. He's made some great films like Prisoners, which is deeply unsettling. So yeah, I can understand a lot of people's like apprehension. But Oliver, you have to admit the Batman, dude, that yeah. movie looked amazing. I mean, I'm. I think at this point, here's the thing with me. Okay, like at this point, I'm I'm kind of okay with waiting on things. Like, I still haven't seen Tenet. I know you have. You said it was amazing. Yeah, but, it's like um, a yeah. really quality film. It's been really hard for me to, like, see movies. And I've kind of gotten used to it. So if I have to wait a year to, like, watch these great films, I'm, I'm going to be fine with it, given the conditions and circumstances. Yeah, but, dude, I mean, Oliver, I can, I can see where you're coming from. You know, COVID has kind of thrown the world into a, a spin, I guess. But, you know, it's just, it's just hard, you know, also for the movie industry itself. Like, it can't sustain itself this much longer. That, that's also what I'm a little bit worried about. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just, it can't sustain you know. this pace. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've probably heard like this from a thousand pe- different people, but like this huge um pandemic, mm-hmm. it's a precedent. This is, is something. Yeah, this is something that the movie industry has never really seen. So no. we have no examples of something this large scale. It's it's really distru- even the financial crisis. Film did not. What came out of the financial crisis? Um, Iron Man, Dark Knight, two of the highest grossing films of all time. Those killed during the fight. Fin- like this, this is a big precedent, unprecedented times. And I can understand where you're coming from, Oliver. You know, that actually makes a lot of sense. But okay, so that's kind of all of the depressing news, all the widespread delays. But Oliver, I want to talk to you a little bit more about movie news in general because have you heard about the new Electro news that everyone's oh, yeah, that's, been? That's insane. Um, yeah, we need to talk about this. Is this yeah. is this is absolutely insane. So let's give a little context to the viewers. So Spider- Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out. It is a awful film. It is like four out of 10 at the best. Worst, it's like a one. But so Spider-Man 2 came out. Jamie Foxx was an extremely talented actor. Looked like a blue, had like this blue orb look to him. You know what I mean? Like he, mm-hmm. he saw lost all of his hair and like, the gap in his teeth got fixed. There's a lot of problems with this character. So Electro, who was in that film, who pretty much killed the Amazing Spider-Man trilogy. Okay, uh, we thought yeah. we had seen the last of that character. Homecoming came out, which is, Oliver, give a little insight on what your thoughts of Homecoming are. Oh, it's brilliant. It's probably the best like Marvel movie, in my opinion. I would but say it's like movie. number three for me. My, my favorite Marvel movie still is Winter Soldier. Yeah, it's but, the yeah, most Hulk- Sam Raimi of like the all like all of the Marvel movies. I feel like it has the most um heart, but we don't have to get into that debate now. No, but yeah, yeah, that's a brilliant. It is actually a brilliant film. I think it's even Far From Home is kind of a step down in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. But you are absolutely correct that Homecoming is a top tier Marvel movie, and it it had this kind of new Spider-Man. We didn't get like this Peter Parker who was swinging around in New York city. Like we'd seen five movies before, but we got a, we got a new interpretation of Spider-Man, which I did enjoy. And then we had far from home, which was, you know, it was pretty good. There's just a big plot hole in that film. And then we get to this news. We hear Jamie Foxx is returning. Okay. That is unprecedented because for not many of you know, this means we could be getting a multiverse. Yeah, it's not, the, it's, it's not completely unseen, though. Because we got Spider-Man home. into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, and we also had um, J.K. Simmons and Far From Home, like the post credit scene. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna, but, I'm gonna, but this yeah. is the kicker. Two hours ago, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are in talks of reprising their roles in Spider-Man 3. Oliver, please break this down, your thoughts, what this could do for the MCU, and how we could just, there's just a new, like, a new kind of revitalization in this multiverse idea. Oliver, give us your thoughts. Well, I'm, I'm not that particularly excited about this, because it seems so, like, it out seems a little bit out there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it seems overly ambitious. And I feel like when you combine all these, like, previous alliterations of Spider-Man, like, one of them didn't really work. I don't know. It's just, it's a really big shoe to fill. And I don't know, like, if Marvel can completely fill it. 
But like, you know, if 20 years you told me that like every single superhero was going to fight like Thanos in this, in a two part, like fourth movie or something like that, I'd be pretty mind blown too. So, I mean, it's going to, it's pretty hard to kind of know like the quality of this um, Spider-Verse crossover. So we just have to kind of cross our fingers and hope it's good. Yeah. So I would agree. Kevin Feige, unlike Kathleen Kennedy, who destroyed Star Wars, he has had this master plan that's been in the works for, I don't know, 10 years at least. It's probably the Avengers. He's kind of built this universe out and planned it so meticulously that I think this is a little bit too ambitious. Well, my other problem is it was just kind of thrown at us. You know what I mean? There was no hints of it. You know what I mean, Oliver? Like yeah. The J. Jonah Jameson. Okay, fine. They cast J.K. Simmons in there. Like that doesn't – for me, that's not really a hint that there's a multiverse. That just means, oh, yeah, we love that guy. Let's put him in this film. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Let's say, like, yeah. Let's, remember the Dark Universe? Oh, my God. That was a good um, year. The Mummy, a brilliant... Like, no, no, a... Mummy, that movie is so <laughs> hilarious, dude. Yeah. You, you can't say one bad thing about that movie. It's a, it's a brilliant um, comedy. Yeah. But yeah, um, that was so... It was incredibly rushed. Like, yes. They tried to put a whole bunch of things like Jekyll and Hyde. It, it made no sense. And that's kind of, that's kind of like the feeling I'm getting with... Um, this one. This Spider-Man crossover. Like you said, with all the previous movies, there's always been hints of, like, something greater. And also, with all the films, there was a direction. Like, mm-hmm. you kind of knew where things were going. Not yes. completely, of course. That wouldn't be cool. But you had a feeling that it was building to something. But with this, it feels shoved in and very um rushed. Yes. You're right. I'm worried about Kevin Feige, who, like... You're not phase four, I think, is gonna be the worst phase we've gotten because it's these B rate heroes we don't know. You know what I mean? Jane Foster as Thor, come on, like that's so lazy. And then we're getting Shang Chi, who I don't even know who that is. Like, I just I'm just very worried about phase four. And then I think the biggest problem with Kevin Feige is phase three ended with probably like one of the biggest film events since like it's one of the biggest film events we've gotten of the decade, the infinity saga finally ending, right? Oliver. Yeah. I think you would agree with me on that. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Right. So, mm-hmm. and then phase four, in my opinion, is the ne- the need for phase four to be, in my opinion, is they have to start from scratch, to be honest. Like, you can have some of the same heroes, like the Guardians of the Galaxy, for example, and Thor, but you're going to have to start rebuilding a new team and a new set of heroes that have to be connected into building another kind of culmination of all these years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So phase four really is about rebuilding. And Kevin Feige with this Spider-Man thing just wants to rush into it a little bit too quickly in, for my taste and then just try to start to build a new cinematic universe, which I think is, it's a poorly thought out decision, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think they should do in phase four? 
I mean, I kind of wish, like, I kind of wish they didn't do anything. Because they've already built up, like, 10 years, right? And they have yeah. this amazing catalog of pretty good stories. Some are better than others, but still. Captain Marvel, like, another yeah, great definitely. film. But as a whole, like, everything is pretty solid. And here's mm-hmm. the thing. If you want to, like, keep building on that, like, you have to kind of have... You kind of have to have a story to tell. And at this point, you know, I can't really say for sure because we have very limited news. But it doesn't seem like Disney has um, that many stories to tell. But on the flip side, um, the DC Universe is actually looking pretty exciting. Oh, yeah, dude. DC Universe, I think this is, they've had, let's say, let's see how many good movies they've had. They had Shazam and two-thirds of Wonder Woman. So I'll round up to two good movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not nah, for But sure. they... They're making some gutsy moves, I think. First of all, the Snyder Cut, even if it's like infinitesimally better than Justice League, the fans are going to go crazy, okay? <clears throat> infinitesimally better. And then when you look at the higher Matt Reeves, who made the brilliant Apes trilogy, looking oh, making this new, I'm hoping for rated R, actually. I think that would be a great move. Plus... Plus, their, plus the Joker, which is also another great film. I'm not sure how that's connected to the DCEU technically, but the DCEU we'll is beginning to find its footing by, by creating these new, unprecedented projects that I'm actually very excited for. That I think the DCEU is going to... I think it's going to trump, first of all, the. I think it's going to destroy the MCU in the long run because... The characters are a lot more recognizable. There's a lot more stories to tell. They also have a lot better characters like Batman and Superman too. Like, just have name brand recognition. And Kevin Feige has run out. I think with this Eternals and the Shang-Chi, all this shows me is they've kind of run out of steam for mainstream audiences. So mm-hmm. I think the DCEU will take over. Oliver, what are your thoughts on the DCEU's new precedents? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think here's the thing, okay? Like with Marvel, the stories were pretty good. But mm-hmm. I think what really shines with the MCU was all the meticulous planning details. Mm-hmm. And they did put a lot of care, I will admit that. But the thing is that um, I think all of DC's films mm-hmm. were kind of like unique like yes. we had the dark knight right brilliant brilliant, brilliant. awesome mm-hmm. amazing pretty much every positive adjective yes you can find and um shazam was also pretty good but um what makes what makes it so interesting is that these are like two completely different stories but they both work the thing yes. with the marvel universe is that pretty much every marvel movie like even the ones that are outside of the cinematic universe are pretty goofy like yes. all of them, all of them have one tone and one like feeling, but with yeah. the DC universe, there's more variety. And I'm really happy that people are kind of starting to pick up on like this advantage that, I, that the DC universe has. DC has a big advantage, right? I'm not going to lie. There's really only one Marvel movie that has a interesting message, an interesting kind of depiction of society and politics. And for me, that's the winter soldier winter soldier. Has, an, has kind of this post-9-11, like I know this kind of sounds strange, but like it's actually talking about like post-9-11, post-terror attacks and how America has kind of shifted with Nick Fury's character. And I think that's, 
that for me is the only Marvel movie that really works on a thematic level. On a thematic level, Joker works brilliantly. The Dark Knight works brilliantly. I even would say for me, um, in my books, I would say Wonder Woman actually was setting up a pretty good thematic idea of kind of what does it mean to be evil and kind of the nature of evil and violence. Like if they, if they hadn't copped out and just made it like a war movie about that, I think the film would have worked a lot better because DC, in my opinion, understands how to make different thematically rich characters. Like Shazam will never be in the Joker universe, but they understand that. But this kind of, it's clunky in my opinion to have a film like the Winter Soldier interact with the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's the most goofy, like the goofiest kind of characters you can think of. Like, I think DCEU understands that a little bit better and having kind of separate kind of, I don't know, separate teams. You know what I mean? I don't know how to explain it in like layman's terms, but they're under, they understand like different thematic choices and kind of how to group them together. That's all I'm saying, really. Yeah, I think with, yeah, I think just to add on mm-hmm. with um, DC, its greatest advantage was that its films were pretty poorly planned. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds really weird, but what I'm trying to say is that um, the films were separate enough. They weren't like overly connected. Mm-hmm. So each like movie was more independent. Like The yeah. Dark Knight can, can be in the same brand as like Shazam, but they can function as two completely different stories with their own themes and tone. Mm-hmm. And I think um, with the Marvel Universe, being so interconnected is like, it's a huge disadvantage because you're really, yeah. to like a certain extent, you're still going to have to tie up everything together and then you're going to have to put it under one theme and tone and everything. That's why the best Marvel movie is probably Logan because it's not yeah. even connected. Right? Would you agree Logan is probably the best Marvel movie? Like of yeah. any... Under the with, Marvel brand. With the X-Men franchise in general, I think their continuity is just so screwed up that they could pretty much do anything with um, their stories and get away with it. And that's a great thing because you can just take your ideas anywhere. You're not so um, handcuffed yeah. to like That's what Kevin Feige has done. Thing. That's why I'm telling you, I keep saying this, but that's why I love The Winter Soldier. There's no connection to any other Marvel movie. That's even why Civil War is a little bit lower than that movie because there's just no connection to any past previous films. You know what I mean? Yeah, even with The Winter Soldier, as great as that movie is and as much as I also appreciate and like it, mm-hmm. it's still a little bit like slowed down by its um If they hadn't had to create this kind of Winter Soldier Tony arc, I think the film would be even better. Yeah. Um, also, I think there's there's just so many jokes in that movie, and it does kind of take me out of it sometimes. Really, dude, that that movie's pretty dark. If you think, like, yeah. oh yeah, the, with the nurse, there's the whole thing about the nurse. Yeah, that that's kind of weird. Like that but, subplot with um Steve trying to find like a mate. That it's it's just weird. I can't I can't get by it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know, man. So I think the DCU has a leg up. They just got they're making better projects. I think um so Oliver, I would have to say thank you so much for being here. I think we had a great show. We discussed the 
the kind of the future of cinema. And I just, I, I want to say thank you so much for listening and we'll be back next time. Mm -hmm. Wait, so is this like season two?